You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three of the program. The bottom of the hour, my teammate on a, on a ball hockey team, Julie McKenzie, will join us from The Athletic. Oh, love that. First game Friday night. You guys going to play on a line together? I don't know. He's picking me up, though, because I don't have a car here in Calgary. What do you play in beer league? Do they have standard or in um, when you do the running? Yeah. Do you have like standard positions? Five guys on the floor. Yeah, like you play line changes and everything, Maddie. Yeah, it's the same thing. You had to play like defense. I don't and you know just why you're backwards. Bes- I don't know why you're besmirching the good name of ball hockey. Because I hate running. Okay, yeah, you hate running. Yeah, but don't pretend like we're. It's not like we're playing broom ball or something instead <laughs> of ball hockey. Broom ball would be neat. Yeah, broom ball. My, see, at least with broom ball, there isn't like broom ball on ice, is there? Maybe I don't there know. is. Absolutely I don't know. I'm sorry, I don't know ice. a lot about broom ball. Uh, by the way, you know what I do know about? What? That we're brought to you by Doug Lacey's basement. <laughs> Doug Lacey's basement <laughs> no, system. No, you don't know a lot studio. about base. What was the last time you had a basement? I just know that if I had, uh, you know, every I had house radon, in Alberta has a basement. You know that, right? Uh, I just know if I had radon, I'd call Doug Lacey to mitigate that radon. That's yeah, what you I know. Would. Do it because radon's bad. Um, yeah, it's very bad. Um, keep take. keep those uh, new nine sixty Twitter handles coming. I like the Steinberg Telethon nine sixty. I like that. <laughs> uh, Toronto George in the AM. Is it Gee or Guy in Calgary? I'm not Gee. sure. Um, Mark and Lethbridge uh, at the other TSN. Oh, oh, okay. Well, what? There's no TSN radio here in the city. No, there isn't. No, no. no. Yeah, keep them going. Never has been. Never will be. No. Um, especially because uh, they just shut down radio stations. Um, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go down that route. Well, it's too late, but we but can it's move true. on. But it's true. Yeah, it was very true. Yeah, it's terrible for our business. Um, um what was it? Siri, keep those <laughs> Siri play Green Day. Um, keep those. Oh boy, keep those Twitter <laughs> handles coming in. Nine sixty nine sixty name and location. Uh, right now, joining us on the line though, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, uh, my man Anthony Stewart from the NHL on Sportsnet. Stewie, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys doing on this fine morning? We're good. Um, my co-host here, Matt Rose, is trashing ball hockey. Can you tell me about <laughs> how legendary you must have been at ball hockey growing up? No, I wasn't. I was mistaken for a great ball hockey player because my brother and uh, Wayne Simmons used to always play in the uh, the men's leagues there. And I went to watch them one time, and it was so embarrassing because both of them were jumping in the other team's bench, beating up a bunch of old men as they were like 18, 19 years old. So to this day, I still have people come up to me on the street. Oh, I remember you at Mississauga, you and Wayne jumping in the bench and beating up those guys. I'm like, that wasn't me, man. I was a, I was a foot hockey champion. I was the foot hockey guy. Not the foot hockey? hockey. Like at recess yeah, in a, elementary school? Yeah, I'm a real 80s baby here. If you know foot hockey, you know what I'm talking about. Isn't that just soccer with a tennis ball? Yeah, and then you have your net, <laughs> and then the goalie, the goalie yeah. takes his jacket off yeah. and uses it as a, as a blocker. Yeah, that's that's the ultimate game. That's I think 95% of the NHL played foot hockey growing up. Uh, so. real, I, I got a real quick ball hockey story for you, Stewie. Um, I played with a guy. His name was Mike Domash. And he played in the East Coast Hockey League, and he played a couple games, but got let go from the team because he fought the head coach because he was such a meathead. <laughs> so he played on our team, and I'm telling you, Stewie, he used one of those Canadian Tire plastic blades you screw on at the bottom of your shaft. 
Oh. And, and he had the hardest shot in the league with that thing. I don't know how it yeah. happened. I don't know how he did it. So uh, well, this ball was hockey, uh, ball hockey's no joke. And uh, no. you know, Wayne Simmons used to have his ball hockey uh, road hockey warriors, and we used to the pros used to play against a local team. Yeah, and what I'm telling you, we got pumped. We had like Drew Doughty, uh, you know, Wayne Simmons, obviously my brother Joe Ward. We got pumped like 15 to like four. So Ooh. we're like, ah, you know what? We're hungover. We're taking it easy. No, those guys kicked our butt. So it's it's no joke. I respect those ball hockey guys. Okay, so this is years ago when Owen Nolan still played uh, for the San Jose Sharks. And Owen Nolan's from Thorold, Ontario, which is right beside Niagara Falls and St. Catharines. So we're in a game, and all of a sudden, like, some dude's getting ready to get dressed in that. We're like, that guy kind of looks like Owen Nolan. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he's pulling on these San Jose Sharks pants. <laughs> like, yep, that's <laughs> Owen Nolan. And luckily, he's not playing out. So Mike Domash, and he would sit on the bench, and, like, he'd have, like, this nervous twitch with his mouth. Yeah. And he goes, I'm feeling the demons today, boys. We're like, oh, no. And Domash was like... He was like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, at least like 220. Again, total meathead. Got kicked out of the ECHL for fighting his coach. He goes to us. He goes, is Owen Nolan tough? We're like, yeah, he is. He's Owen Nolan. He's a tough guy. Right? All of a sudden, he's out there taking a face off. Literally two minutes later, he runs Owen Nolan, and they have like a bit of a scrum, and he gets thrown out of the game. And wow. Owen Nolan's just laughing. <laughs> what a league. Yeah, and I'm telling you, the plastic blade, Stewie, that you screw on at the bottom of the stick, hardest shot in the league. Yeah, I was the Coho Revolution Black. Remember the yes. black and yellow one, Coho? That was my, that was my go-to weapon, as they would say. Yeah, Mary Lemieux was a big Coho Revolution guy uh, from back in yeah. the day. Um, Got to ask you about reasonable expectations for the Calgary Flames. We're officially into the second half of the season. And what you've seen so far from the Flames, and obviously on paper, it's a team that everybody's saying, wait till they get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. This team is built for the playoffs. What should be the reasonable expectation, in your opinion, for Flames fans when this team has looked through the first half of the well, season? Again, I, uh, I'm awful with my uh, predictions this year, but um, you know, I picked uh, Calgary Flames to win the Stanley Cup, and I think that was just based on how they were playing last year. They were gelling. They were playing on the right side of the puck, blocking shots. Uh, goaltending was firing, but that just doesn't seem uh, to be the case. And earlier on the season, it was about the growing pains of Huberdeau and Weger coming in, getting used to the new system. But, you know, the reality of the situation is right now, they're, they're fighting essentially for a wild card spot and a playoff spot right now. And, you know, you look at that game last night against the St. Louis Blues, that's a four-point game. you got to start separating yourself uh, from some of these teams. You have uh, the Edmonton Oilers who are just below you. They're tied with the St. Louis Blues. And you got the Blues again tomorrow night. And Nashville is coming down uh, the pipeline and, and Colorado too. So if you don't you know, sort of get your acting gear, for lack of better words, you're going to be on the outside looking in a lot sooner than later. So, yeah, you can say it's an 82-game season, but the way that it's trending, you know, they could be out of the mix. So, um, you know, Coach Sutter has some work to do in trying to get the team back on, back on track here. But if, you know, we could be sitting here talking in the next week to 10 days talking about, well, are they going to be sellers or buyers at the deadline? Uh, but, you know, I think everyone agreed this was a Stanley Cup contending team and there's ups and downs in the season. But, you know, after 42 games, you know, they're mid-pack fighting for a for a playoff spot. So I, I think they can do better. They can get some better goaltending, you know, some better secondary scoring. Uh, but, again, that was a big, big game last night. Yes, they did get a point out of it. But, uh, you know, St. Louis is coming. <laughs> Colorado is going to get healthy eventually. And uh, they got to get it together. How much do you see frustration playing a part in some of the Flames' struggles right now? As it looks like 
This is a group that, you know, we've heard has been very tight knit, but just all these one goal games seem to be adding up. And, and it looks like during certain points, there's just frustration showing in the body language from some of the guys. Yeah, you, you see yesterday, right? Uh, you know, it's a, they, they, it's a it's a four three game or four four game, and uh, you know they get lucky with uh, a goal that uh, you know was called off due to offside, and you know that should be okay. You know what, guys, we got lucky here. Let's use this momentum now to try to get that extra point. So it just seems like they're almost looking around, waiting for someone to step up and make it happen, right? But again, this is the team that's built with four lines. Uh, everyone's got to step up, but I think right now it's just the. I don't talk about the quality of the save. It's the timing of the saves and going three, one into the third period. You got to find a way to, to get that win. And, you know, I wasn't a big fan of some of those goals that went in and that's sort of been the story uh, all season with Markstrom. But again, he was one of those goaltenders last year, led the league in shutouts. So it just seems like something's off uh, with this group. It could be chemistry. It could be new players coming in, as they said. Uh, but like I said, it's an 82 game season. They're in a lull right now, but again, expectations were a lot higher for this group, but at where they are right now. Now, I wanted to ask you as well about Milan Lucic and his current role playing on that line with Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberto. A lot of, perhaps, discourse in the market, if that's the right fit. But the points have been there in the last few games. What have you made of him playing on that line? And do you see it as something that they could do long-term? Or does it feel like a bit of a Band-Aid over an injury right now? Well, you know, kudos to, to, to Milan because, you know, he was, I think last time I was on this program, you know, he was in the, in the, in the press box uh, eating poor popcorn and he handled it very, very well. Yeah, he didn't agree with the scratching, but again, he understood the, the opportunity. So he sat out, came back and started playing some great, great hockey. And, you know, you know exactly what you're going to get uh, with Milan every single night. And you saw his goal last night. You know, he just kicks it out, drives to the net, goes with a stick on the ice and taps it in. So, um, you know, it's great pass by Huberto there. Kadri's playing some great hockey, but you know, Milan, he's, he's suited better for the bottom six. You know, this team needs to go on a, a three, four round playoff run. They need him playing heavy hockey, uh, intimidation factor, getting in on the forecheck, chipping and charging. You know, if this group is relying on him now to be scoring six, seven playoff goals, I don't think they're going to go really, really far. So that's sort of been the story all year with this group. They're talking about getting that, you know, uh, middle six or top six forward that can really step in and add some offense. So um, it's it's easy to say that. There's not really a lot there on the market. But, you know, if you're on the outside looking in come trade deadline, you might have to look at selling some pieces off, uh, not acquiring, just depending on where they are in the standings. Anthony Stewart from the NHL on Sportsnet joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Big show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. A lot of Flames fans, Stewie, frustrated with Calgary's inability to get it done in the three-on-three overtime. And some of those losses this season was taking some bad penalties in the extra frame. But it feels like the Flames don't have this thing figured out. Is that something league-wide that a lot of teams are now focusing on this three-on-three and have a specific plan how to attack it because it feels like the flames are still a little fish out of the water when it comes to three on three. Yeah. You're, you're seeing the goal last night, 28 seconds into overtime. We come in with a, I'm not going to say who you come in with a toe drag and you lose it, turn it over and it's in your net 28 seconds later on a two on one. Right. So that could be personnel. Maybe you have to start off with a bit of a, a defensive uh, minded uh, combination to sort of see how it goes. Right. So maybe, uh, you know, you make, Coleman go out there or you put somebody else Mangiapane out there to start with the defenseman I know the fans are going to rip me I hear the, the tweets coming in right now but you got to find a way to switch things up so when things are getting stagnated 
you got to find a way to, 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 to get some new areas. The definition of uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. So I'm not saying bench anybody or get some other guys, but I think it's just the buy-in. And you're seeing the teams that are having success right now, they have the buy-in and the belief in the system. So it seems like, you know, with this team, guys are sort of going off script a little bit. Sutter, you got to play on the right side of the puck. You got to play heavy hockey. You got to be not afraid to go into the corners. Uh, you got to manage your turnovers, manage the puck. It just seems that they're getting away from that game. So I don't think the buy-in and the belief uh, in the system is right there. And that's probably one of the symptoms of their struggles right now as well. One of the guys who does feel like he's bought into the Daryl Sutter system and has continued to improve his game over the course of the season really is Nikita Zadorov. Um, he's an interesting player, big guy. I call him a roller coaster. Sometimes the offense can be exciting, but sometimes he can throw a little bit of a pizza up the middle of the ice. What have you made of the season for the big Russian on the back end for the Flames? Well, it's great. And the reality of the situation, you know, he sort of, you know, bumped out uh, Valimaki, you know, for a spot. And he came in and earned his, his, his nice time. He's playing 19, 20 minutes a night. He's got six goals. And, you know, the one thing is for him, I think his mobility is getting a lot better, especially across the line. He's, he's getting across the line, getting shots through. Uh, and that's just confidence, right? And everyone talks about confidence. It's not from the coach, it's just what you put in every single day uh, being a pro. So I think for him, it's just getting an opportunity to play some, you know, more minutes than he was before. So, um, you know, we, we talk about him, but, you know, you know, Uyghur came in, you know, they expected probably more than one goal this season as well, too. So if we're talking about the Zorda, Zadora, that's a big, big problem because there's supposed to be some other guys having some big, big seasons as well, too. You know, he expected Uyghur to be closer to where uh, Rasmus uh, Anderson's been this year, playing some big, big minutes, scoring some big goals uh, as well. And eating some major minutes. So I think you just got to find a way to, to make yourself a little bit more valuable to this team, but it starts with the buy-in and playing a Sutter system. So it's, it's tough. It's tough. You're a skilled guy. You want to come in make plays and then come across the line, but he's a North South type coach and uh, it, it, some guys can struggle. And until you buy in, it's going to continue to struggle for them as well. This is a market that has been craving to see Matthew Phillips, Jacob Pelche, some of the younger players in the organization. But I wonder um, just how that will affect the mentality of some of the veterans. We haven't seen Daryl Sutter put in some of these young players for veterans and scratch them. My feeling has been it's going to take an injury somewhere for these guys to kind of get a real actual run at things. And I just feel like... It's hard for a coach to give playing time to some of these young kids when you can't glaringly look at any of the guys in the top nine and say they've been outright bad and they deserve to be scratched. Does that make sense in a sense that you have to manage the personalities in the locker room? It's not as easy as just putting lines down on paper and saying, these are the guys that have to go today. Yeah, it's 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 sort of... Um you know, some of the young players coming into the league, you have to find a way. No one's going to give anything to you. You have to find a way to earn it. And we know some of those younger guys are playing great hockey uh, in the minor leagues, but the NHL is a totally different uh, beast and animal. So when you're coming in now, especially trying to make a team for the Calgary Flames, you know, are you going to be uh, outperforming Trevor Lewis on, you know, uh, on a two-way hockey game? Are you going to be able to play better than him shorthand? Are you going to kill penalties better than him? Are you going to get in the uh, end? So I think, you know, Sutter has guys that he trusts, you know, the Lewises, the Mangiapanis, the Backlands, uh, the Colemans. You know, Rizisco was playing some good hockey earlier on in the season. Uh, if you're a young guy, you have to do those finer details to a T before you now you get an opportunity to step up and, and get an opportunity um, in the uh, the top six. So 
Um, you know, so you have to find a way also to know what you have with some of these young prospects. But again, there's a lot riding on this season with the expectations. So, you know, would it be make sense to put a, a young guy stepping into the American League now on that top six uh, and expect offense? I don't think so because, you know, George would be bringing up his ball hockey stats when he was struggling. So I think right now, yeah. rotate them in and out. So slowly get them accustomed to the National Hockey League. But with the expectations right now, I think you have to go with the veterans. Um, Stu, we got to ask you about the Leafs uh, real quick here. Are people in denial in Toronto saying that Austin Matthews, are they talking about this, that he's having a bit of a down year because he's not playing with Mitch Marner? Is that even a topic of conversation? No, and you know they usually talk about everything. Yeah, they're, they're saying, hey, you know, Stewie, you're predicting that he's going to be scoring 70 goals, but – you know, he's one of the better two-way players in the league, and the team is winning, right? So if they go in now and they get past the first round and he's got 45 goals, yeah, you want him to be scoring 50-60, but the team's winning games. And I think this season right now is dependent on them having some success in the postseason. So guys now are going to have to sacrifice some points. We go about, we talk about the last couple seasons with Kucherov, who had 128 points. They end up getting knocked out in the first round, swept by the the um, Columbus Blue Jackets. So for him, playing a right two-way game, other guys are finding success. Marner's having a, a career year. Nylander's having a career year. Tavares is playing some great hockey as well, too. So there's more balance this year as expecting uh, him to be scoring all the goals. But remember, these teams now do hours and hours of video. They're keying in on him. He has to find a way to adjust as well, too. But the team's having success. Other guys are having success. So I call it right now him not on pace for 70. I think that's a, a nothing burger storyline right now mm. in the media. Um, Stu, we got to ask you, because I kind of ranted about this early on in the show. I hate the fact that the NHL plays this back-to-back in the same city thing. And I get why they do it. And I get uh, cost certainty and travel expenses. And it's kind of easier on the players. But as a guy who played in the show... Would you like that to play the Blues on back-to-back, you know, two games and three nights, staying in St. Louis the whole time? How do you think you would approach these back-to-back situations that aren't playoff games? No, because I was a big uh, guy of the plane food, too. I used to um, be able to uh, have, uh, you know, Cheesecake Factory. So I used to always hurry up and tell the guys, let's get on the plane because I got to get my Buffalo Blast or my sushi from Cheesecake Factory. So I I love Mm. to travel. (laughs) I like playing uh, cards in the air. So I really like that aspect of it as well. But again, I understand it. You want to be a little bit more cost conscious. And again, especially in the playoffs. Now, if we're talking about reverting back to the one through 16 system or one through eight, you're going to have to get used to playing in the same city, you know, three, four games in a, in a row. So um, I, I don't mind it, but you know, personally for me, when I was playing, I wanted to get hurry up and get on that plane and get my cheesecake factory. Is there a chain restaurant that has a bigger menu than cheesecake factory? Cause I don't no, think there is. It's so big. You're like, I don't even know what to order. Yeah. Like, you know, once you get into the dessert menu, you're like, man, my life, there's something wrong with my life. I'm still looking for an option here. I'm on page 44. Um, yeah, it's 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 like the phone book when you go to Cheesecake Factory. It has so many um, And then they options. have the calories. Who invented that, putting the calories on the page? Like, yeah, oh, I know. It doesn't stop me, but I'm yeah. still like, okay, or, for a second, I feel shame. See, what you do is uh, you get a healthy entree, and then you like yeah. hammer the cheesecake after. Yeah, they're like, here's the skinny menu. I'm like, what? Yeah. What, what, are you saying? Oh, yeah. What, are you, what are you trying to say? I'll have the taco salad, and then I'll have like a 2,500-calorie uh, red velvet cheesecake. Thanks very much. Mm. I'll walk home. I'll yeah. walk home. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the move. And a Diet Coke. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anthony Stewart, uh, the NHL on Sportsnet, former NHL, are always a pleasure. Stewie, let's do it again soon. Thanks, pal.
All right. Thanks a lot. Go Flames, go. All right. Uh, and there's Anthony Stewart on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest line. Dine in, dine in pick up, or have your game day special delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time no big deal. Consumer Choice Award winner. 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast or call 403-248-3344. You know something I was thinking about at the beginning of that conversation? Plastic um, blades on ball hockey sticks? Similar. I was thinking about mini sticks. Yep. So got my little cousin a uh, mini stick for Christmas. Was it like He's the like $70 11. one? They are insane nowadays. Yeah, because they're like they the one-piece like composites. They're full-blown one-piece composites Yeah, that are just like half the size. Yeah. Full curve, flex, the whole nine yards. I was blown away. Like They are legit. Ours used to be, hey, thanks for coming to the tournament. Here's a dangerous piece of plastic. Go hold this over a stove and get a little curve on this thing. Yeah. They're pretty intense now. Yeah, they're serious. No and goofing. Put a little tape on the top, too. Sure, yeah. It's pretty intense. Um, Did you ever have the plastic blade as a kid on the street? Do you even uh, know what I'm talking about? Yes, but we typically ended up using um, like old sticks that we'd actually had on the ice. Of because course. Because I found that the plastic blades, like we'd go through them so fast because we yeah. played a lot of street hockey and they just wear off on the pavement. So it'd be down to like, you know, just an inch of blade, which is not enough to stick handle or do anything mm-hmm. apart from little flip shots. So you just have to cycle through them too much. I hated the plastic ones because those are the ones we had at school too, and I couldn't stand it. The funnest uh, the part shaft, was it's, 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 it was the plastic shaft. Yeah, that the was shaft a real is problem. the worst. You can't yeah. get anything on there. And then people hacking it. That's the it's like Phil Kessel stick. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. Johnny stick. Yeah, fifty-five flex or something I can't like that. That. What am I yeah. supposed to do with this? Um, but I no word of a lie. Uh, he had a plastic blade on his stick, and as an adult, and he had far and away the hard, hardest shot in the league. That's, with a plastic blade screwed in at the bottom of his stick. That physics does not make sense. No, uh, and he was a very, very large individual. Um, straight ahead, Julian McKenzie from The Athletic uh, wrote a great piece about the Flames report card. We'll ask him, too, what what should be your expectations of the Flames now as we head into the second half of the season? And we'll wrap up the show with your Sportsnet 960 new Twitter handle ideas. Name and location, please. Keep those rolling in. One more segment to go. Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Uh, Joining me on the line right now, uh, does a great job of covering the Calgary Flames for the Athletic on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, we say good morning to Julian McKenzie. Julian, how's it going on, pal? How are you? Doing very well. Good morning, gentlemen. Good, uh, to, good to hear from you guys. Great to hear from you. Um, have you started your stretches for a ball hockey game on Friday night? Uh, I, I did the other night. Uh, I should probably get to doing some more today. Yeah. I'm trying to eat a little healthier before the big day. Like, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm mentally preparing myself for the pain I will feel on Friday. Do you say you stretched earlier in the week? <laughs> He's getting pliable like Tom Brady. You, earlier in the stre- week? That's irrelevant at this point. Man. Yeah, well, you should do it every day. Uh, I mean, I, I never said I wasn't. I just said I started like, yeah. earlier this week. Like, uh, when's the last time you've ran? Uh, <laughs> the summer when I was in a... 
it's probably the summer when I was in a, a, a in a, I was in a soccer league before I moved. Uh, it's probably the most strenuous activity I've done. Yeah, so it's uh, at least three months ago. Can I tell you what I'm most worried about? Is running yes. in this altitude. I am. Oh my god! Because you're 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 an Easterner like I am, Julian. So automatically, are... everyone hates oh us. <laughs> but uh, I'm oh worried about god. us, you and I both running in this altitude. Because there is a difference. Like I did notice it when I moved here. Mm-hmm. Like people, There's like what difference. are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. People live here have no idea like what we're talking about. Yeah, well, but we're all just superior it. athletes. Well, to that's what it is because of our yeah improved lung capacity being so high up. That's right. That's mm-hmm. what I'm worried about on Friday, Julian. Yeah, I'm. I I did not think this through. Actually, <laughs> I got I got really think about Friday. Now. This is not good. <laughs> yeah, but I do know you and I will go have some beverages after. Maybe some ice packs. Oh yes, that's for sure. Saturday yeah. afternoon yes. for the Stars game, you boys are going to be just yeah. iced up on no, the couch. No cryo suits. No, Julie and I are just have oxygen masks on for on Saturday, watching all the sports. Full IV. Yeah, we need it. We, I'm just going to let you all know from now. I'm yeah. probably not going to write off Saturday's game after this. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be uh, good times. Um, let, you, you have a couple great pieces up right now at The Athletic. Uh, you had the piece on the Flames report card for the first half of the season. Is that like the most slam dunk thing writers and us broadcasters do? Like, will we split up the season into quadrants and halves? Yeah, it's it's like the easiest thing you could do because it's just like you could because like think about it. It's just like a nice way to seg the season. Like it's like we all know it's 82 games. 82 divided by two is 41. So the little bit of math we're able to do just allows us to to do that. So it, it's an improvement from last year when I was covering the Canadians for the athletic and I decided to do the report card at the end of the calendar year, which was sort of close to the halfway point, this is a lot better, a lot more symmetrical. And now, as we get ready for the rest of this road trip and another game in St. Louis on Thursday, we wallow in the results of the last two games that the Calgary Flames have played. We've been asking our fans all day, uh, our listeners, um, not all of them are fans, we've been asking our listeners all day, which loss was more disappointing? Which one was harder to swallow? Do you do you have a, a a feeling either way? I think the St. Louis one is mm-hmm. tougher to swallow. I think I, I I get that the Chicago loss. You know they lost to a team that is very much in play for the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. But at the very least, the way that the Flames responded in that game, being down after the goalie switch, like that's promising. Like that's you want to see that from the Calgary Flames, where they're not they might be down, but they're not completely out and they fight. To at least get a point. That's at. I mean, again, I, I I recognize the quality of that opponent. That's at least something. That's a positive you can take from that. They had a three-one lead against the St. Louis Blues, and they looked like the better team for what 40, 50 minutes, and then they blow it in the third period, and then they go into overtime. And look, I, I know a lot of people are dumping on Huberto, but that was a heck of a play by Justin Falk, and the Blues kind of caught the Flames shorthanded going up the ice. Just a heck of a play by the Blues, I think. But like, it's it's disappointing because I, I I generally thought this Flames team found a way to you know hold on to these leads. If they were in a position where they were up through one, you know, if maybe they allow another goal, but like they they weren't going to let the damn burst. They allowed two goals in a matter of seconds. And frankly, if it wasn't for that overturned uh, goal call on a Robert on a Robert Thomas goal, mm. like the Blues could have easily won that game in regulation. 
mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. So I, I definitely think that loss to St. Louis is more disappointing than the, than the Chicago loss. One of the changes to the roster yesterday, or the 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 lineup at least, was Walker Dewar getting in, playing on that fourth line after the game. Daryl Sutter saying, yeah, he's basically coming in and playing Brett Ritchie's role while Brett Ritchie is on the shelf. I thought Dewar was fine in the first period, maybe faded a little bit as the game went on. But given what we heard Daryl say about why Walker Dewar is in the lineup right now, what's it going to take for Jacob Pelche to get in the lineup while he's been recalled? Honestly, like I, I have a hard time thinking that Jacob Pelletier isn't going to play at some point during this road trip. I mean, this is a team, just to kind of expand on just the immediacy of the roster here. Like, this is a team that ahead of the deadline, if they find themselves in a position to make a move for somebody, I think they should. But considering the salary cap constraints that they have, if they could find an option internally that could work, it wouldn't surprise me if they go for that. This is a trip as far as I'm concerned. The fact that they have Pelletier up with them, they have to see what they have. It wouldn't surprise me if on Thursday, considering how the game went, maybe that's your opportunity to see if Pelletier is worth giving you know an opportunity for. But like they can't just call him up just to have him sit on the bench for like a for like four out of five games. Like if they genuinely want to give him a good honest look, so that way they could see, hey, you know what, is he worth the fit? Do we have to go out into the deadline and 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 try to get somebody? Like they have to play him. Uh, so I, I don't even think it's a question of of the players. I don't think it's a question of saying, like, you know what, Lucic has to play badly, or you know what, if you have to put him on the fourth line, you have to do it. But, like, there's no way they don't play Pelletier during the time that he's up there with the team. Like, it's it's not for him to just hang out with NHLers and 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 live the life for a couple of days. Like, if the, the, if the Flames want to genuinely see what they have they either play him on thursday they play him on the weekend he has to get one or two good games i think for them to at least get some good look at at what they have and it's a bit unfair maybe if it's just one or two games but considering the desperation that they're in right now i think the fact that they have him up like they at least have to see at some point what they have in this type of player and what he can do at the nhl level they have to put him in regardless of you know what really fits, I think, if that makes sense. It, it absolutely makes sense. Julie McKenzie covers the Flames from The Athletic, joining us here on The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan, the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Um, your time uh, in Montreal, I want to ask you this question. Who has a shorter leash on younger players, Daryl Sutter or Claude Julian? Ooh, wow, that's a good question. Uh, shorter leash on younger player. Um... That's a good question, because because Claude, I, I try, mean, he, I really had try, that repu- Julian. He, here's the thing: he had a built-in reputation. Oh yeah, on that from when he was in Boston, and like a lot of people kind of threw that at him. But from what I remember with with the Canadians, I mean, yeah, he obviously was kind of reliant on his veterans, and the Canadians obviously are a much different team than they are now. I mean, I kind of have to say Daryl Sutter a little bit because at mm. the very least, if you look at Claude Julian, you could look back through his history and be like, oh well, fine. He, Maybe he wasn't the greatest with young players, but there was that time Tyler Sagan got to play with him all in the year of our Lord, 2011. Like, you could at least point to other smaller examples. Yeah. Like, Daryl Sutter, <laughs> people are pulling up, like, old graphs saying, like, oh, like, there are all these players. He has it, like, let play in the lineup and from the first round and all that and players under a certain size and all that, too. Like, the parameters are, are so much harder. It feels like if you if you compare both sides, both coaches, I would think I, I haven't done it seriously, 
obviously, but like I, I, my initial guess, and maybe there's recency bias to this, would be Daryl Sutter would be harder uh, for a younger player to crack the lineup compared to a Claude Julian. That would be my guess. The last time, pardon me, the last time the Flames had any player receive a Calder Trophy vote, 2016-17, when Matthew Kachuk was a rookie in the league. Just a vote. I mean, mm. jeez, I'm, I'm, but I mean, that's like a top, it was like sixth overall when he was picked. Like, that's a top 10 player. I mean, not immediately dynamic when he entered the league, but like, he was a really good rookie. It takes a lot for young players to get those opportunities. Um yeah, but, uh, wow, that is a that is a stunning stat. Like yeah. it's just it's really interesting to be in this new market and see how you know the Flames draft history is just it's not pleasant to look at. I just have to say, like I got bored the other day and I looked at the 2016 draft. I was like, wow, like this Flames team should really be good with the fact that they drafted Matthew Kachuk and 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 Adam Fox, which I don't know how we feel about Adam Fox in mm. this market. I'm pretty sure it's not that favorable of him but like this is a team that should be you know at least like rolling off that particular draft class but there are just so many horror stories for the last how many years and that's another reason why Jacques Pelletier a lot is riding on him to play like the fact that they have not seen all that much success with their first round picks with them getting opportunities to play like there's a lot it feels as if maybe not to say there's a lot riding on it but like I think fans especially they want some kind of tangible success from some of their draft picks to to at least get those opportunities to play. And, and I think Jacques Pelletier, it's a little bit more, when you really think about it, it's a little bit more representative than just being like, hey, we just need him to score goals. Like, that needs to be confirmation that, like, something works within their scouting department and their front office when it comes to picking young players. What have you, uh, how have you felt about Jacob Markstrom the last week to 10 days? Man. Um, I mean, it's it, the last two games just pretty tough, pretty tough to watch. I mean, I find uh, it, it's also just tough considering that it looked as if he turned a corner and then he has the start that he has against Chicago and then against the St. Louis Blues where, okay, the team plays well. And then again, a bit of a tough time in the, in the third period, like, and not to say it's all on him, the other team, the, the, the flames should have picked their game up, but. Pretty tough uh, last few nights for for Jacob Markstrom, especially considering that it looked as if he was turning that corner. His last few games entering uh, the, the this road trip, he was playing, I think, at like a 9.05 save percentage over his last few games. Uh, I put maybe less blame on him against the Blues compared to what it was against Chicago, but... Like at some point, you know, I, I keep thinking of, of Dylan Dubé a couple months back yeah. saying like, you know what, the fact that we talk about Jacob Markstrom, like, like we're beating this down too much, you know, but also at the same time, like if we're going to talk, if we, if you don't want us to talk about Jacob Markstrom, we're going to have to talk about Dylan Dubé and the rest of that offense and the fact that they can't score more than three goals a game. And like, it, it, which one is it? Is it, is it, is it that Jacob Markstrom's not good enough or is it that the offense isn't good enough? Maybe both things can be true because I think Jacob Markstrom has definitely had better games. He's had he's played better last year, and I forget who made this point, but in their last stretch of games, I think in the last nine games, uh, the Flames have only scored more than three goals once. Mm -hmm. And if they had scored four goals in all of those games, they would have won all of them. Like at some point, like Jacob Markstrom, I get it, he could play better. The offense has to play a lot better. The defense has to play a lot better. The entire team has to play better. Maybe it's Captain Obvious to say, but 
the Calgary Flames can't play like this. I might be dumbing down the two losses a little bit, but I thought two of the keys in each of them was that one particular line for the opposition was able to light the world on fire. It was Domi and Reichel for the Hawks. It was the Robert Thomas line with Cairo and uh, the Russian off on the other side, uh, Pavel Buchnevich, who was having himself a, a really solid game. And I found that surprising because when I look at the Flames lines and how they're aligned right now, I think Lindholm line, Backlund line, even when you're on the road, you shouldn't be able to kind of be picked apart by one particular line. Were you equally surprised? Like, I think it kind of falls into a general feel I have about this team in that, I mean, yes, I brought the goal score and the goaltending, but you can make an argue, you can make the argument that the most disappointing thing about this team is how they play defensively. Like, like the the hallmark of of a Daryl Sutter team is the fact that they should be like this grinding defensive team that you shouldn't be allowing all these chances against and should be clean in their own end. And I don't get that sense off of the way that they've been playing throughout significant chunks of this season. So when you when you say that, like, yeah, like a line with like Max Domi and Lucas Reichel. Are, are getting opportunities against the Flames and 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 Robert Thomas you're absolutely right like his his line was getting opportunities against the Flames and they were capitalizing on them like I feel as if for for the way that at least the way it's been built up with this team especially with the acquisitions that they've made like they need to find a way to shut those teams down and and shut those lines down and, and limit those opportunities coming against them like I think that, again, you can make the argument that the fact that they're not as solid defensively, I don't have the number of goals they've allowed uh, in front of me, but like it's a little bit more than what I peg them for for having. And just so many moments where, you know, they're 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 giving up plays. I mean, they're giving up they're giving up pucks or 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 the fact that they allowed those two goals in a matter of like what, like 30 something seconds in the third period. Like it's like it's a bit disappointing to be quite honest with you, considering the fact that this Flames team and the DNA that they've carved out for themselves, they should be better than that. What should be the reasonable expectation now for the Calgary Flames as we head into the second half? I still think they're a playoff team. It's just like, I don't know. I just feel as if with the with, with the way they doubled down on on signing Huberto and Uyghur to extensions, Daryl Sutter to, a, to an extension as well, uh, the fact that they're still above the Edmonton Oilers and they're playing disappointing hockey that's good for the Flames. Like, at this point now, like I, I don't know if they're a team that can have like a like like a month that could propel them to like top of the division, top of the conference, or anything like that. This might be a team. I mean, this is already a team that has to work so much harder to get goals. They don't have the luxury of a Matthew Kachuk or Johnny Gaudreau. I think the center depth that they have is still good, and I think if they remain focused and they limit those chances against, they can get some wins. Uh, Jacob Barkstrom has to play better. Like, like how many times have we said that Jacob Barkstrom stole a game for the Calgary Flames? That has not happened that much this year. Like, they need, like, a really good stretch of play. And even then, at best for them, it might turn into a wild card spot. Or if they catch a little bit of fire, it might get them at best, like, third mm. in the division. And, and even then, like, they need, like, Seattle to fall off. They need, like, Los Angeles to fall off. Do you guys see Vegas falling off? I don't. Like, I think the reasonable expectation for this team, I think with the way that they're built, and I still think it, it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to do something at the deadline. Like, I think this team should still make the playoffs, 
but like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Flames fans, it might not be the most fun way for them to get there. Like, I, I get it. Mm. I think they probably wanted a team that could be a little bit better, a little bit more competitive, and a little bit higher in the standings. I, I think you're just going to be stressing out for the next three months trying to hope that this team doesn't lose ground against Edmonton and, and Colorado and all these other teams that are below them. I think they're a playoff team. They're just not like, like, like if you're still thinking like, yeah, they could be this cup contending team. That's like near the top of the standings in, in the Western conference. Like we've been off that for two months. Like it's not the case. They're a wild card team. Julian McKenzie covers the flames for the athletic uh, Julian. Great stuff. We'll see you Friday, pal. Let's get it done. <sighs> Let's get these ice packs ready, man. Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. Uh, oxygen Talk to you guys tanks. Soon. Sounds good. Uh, there he goes. I'll come cheer you guys on. Really? No. Okay. Man, did I believe that. Let's yeah. see what else George will believe. <laughs> Hard pass. Wow. I'd rather be the mouthful of tacks. Really? Yeah. Frankly. Like the skates or thumbtacks? Hey, did you see the new tax design that they're, yeah. they're doing the re Very old school. They're pretty sick. Very old Mary Lemieux tax. No, I meant like... Yeah, thumbtacks. Put it up on the wall because you did a really good project type of tax. I get it. Uh, you know what else is really good? Atlas Pizza. Uh, there was Julie McKenzie on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Come in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials. Just no rust with this guy. 60 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza. 403-248-3344. Off the shelf. It's never like riding a bike. Because I have been off for months, apparently, according to like some of our listeners. No problem. Wow. Well, that was relatively painless. Um, yeah, we got a couple of minutes to go here. Uh, for some reason, well, we told you the reason, but our 960 Twitter account is down because he wanted to throw a birthday on there. Because we're underage. We wanted to follow it. Yeah. We can't bet on sports. It's so weird. Um, um, but we also did uh, the 960 Twitter account. Uh, Ken in Calgary at 960 OnlyFans. Talk about an extra revenue stream. <laughs> How are your feet? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. That that would be good. Um, uh, <laughs> the men of nine sixty on OnlyFans, we would make no money. Just uh, just Steinberg's biceps. It'd be awesome. Uh, tickets to the gun show uh, at the Steinberg Telethon nine sixty. Craig and Three Hills. I like it. True. Yeah. Um, I told you, Guy in Toronto. Uh, Toronto George in the morning in the AM. <laughs> I feel a little left out, but yeah, I don't know why. Uh, who texted? This is a four hundred three number at the six with Drake. What? By the way, I'm from Niagara oh. Falls, so don't. I'm not from. Toronto. I don't like that. No, I don't like that at all. No, no, like what would they call, like the three? Like nobody's calling mm, the four. I don't know. Yeah, the three. Why? Why? I think we are much more. Uh, we're an airport. Code We're an city. airport code type city. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yag sounds awful. Wait, what's Toronto? YVR? YYZ. Yeah, YYZ. Rush had a song out named after it. So mm. instrumental. Wow. The more you know. Look at Patty Dumont bust a note. It's like one of the Patty hardest. Dumont, it's one of the hardest songs to do on Guitar Hero. I don't know how you didn't know that. Loves him some Rush. When we were doing any of the Team Man. Canada stuff in the World Juniors. Rush bed. Have you ever seen, like, you know, and you, you're like, wow, that guy's really good looking. Like, when you see Getty Lee, you're like, man, that guy's really good looking. <laughs> I saw I saw, I saw this tweet from another radio station in the city, but uh, he had Getty Lee, like an old Getty Lee photo on his background. Yeah. And the music director was like, ooh, she's hot. Who's that? <laughs> like, oh, yeah. oh, that's that's Getty Lee. He um, 70s Getty Lee. Go look at 70s Getty Lee. He can scare you. 
You know the witch from the Snow White cartoon? Yeah. <laughs> really? That's kind of what I see. He's a diehard Blue Jays fan, too. Oh, big time. Good for him. He, he, he's got the stat card and everything. He fills out the lineup. Fills out his own lineup. And like, his oh, own, oh, yeah. I love people who score their own oh, game. Yeah. I, I got to say. I can't get enough of that. I have covered a ton of Blue Jays games. There's nothing better than scoring a baseball game. You Is just sit there and press, yeah, and you just do this. You score the game. I scored one with Lou when he called Okotoks dogs games during the playoffs a yeah. few years. Did back. you have a discrepancy? No, I think we were pretty good. I mean, think like, we did oh, pretty good. Let's see the decision on that. Because <laughs> my man Roger LeJoie, Sportsnet five ninety, the fan legend, he's an official scorer for Major League Baseball. Oh. And like, you can't ask him during the season about a call because he's not really supposed to talk about another scorer's call. But he'll mention his calls. Huh. Like that was an error or that was a play that should have been made or yeah. But scoring a baseball game, you're right. Cathartic is the perfect word for it because it is. Or like, oh, there's the old E6. Yeah, it's kind of like a going out and fishing. You're like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm doing something. But for the most part, I'm just sitting here and doing nothing. Yeah. And the legendary Jerry Howarth, he had like eight highlighters he used at a broadcast on his scorecard. It was insane. I usually rock three. Oh, wow. Depending on what I'm doing broadcast wise, um, that's it for us. We're done. I'm gonna take the rest of the week off. I'm pooped. <laughs> this guy I'm pooped. Got to rest up for my ball <laughs> hockey game on Friday night. It's early this show. So good having you. Um, we got Ross Tucker on tomorrow. Um, we got big bets. Hey, you had a great year. Ready to sing? Yeah, I'm, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, I told you, I'm in terrible picking football this year. And uh, well, I think we're having a Brody in the beat tomorrow. Sure, yeah, why not? Uh, and Al, I gotta say, the most listened to program segment. No, in... I said no. I said the best, not most listened to. Oh, the best in Canadian radio is what I do say about Alex Brody's Brody on the beat. I, 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 I have to admit, Alex Brody has been sharp as a tack going back to tax. He has been <laughs> on his game today, and I think. All of his work so far in 2023 will hinge on Brody and the beat tomorrow. Whether or not he gets the thumbs up or the thumbs down. Much like Joaquin Phoenix in Gladiator, where he, like, <laughs> you wait for him to go up or down. Yeah. I then... think that's what Alex is going to have to endure tomorrow after we hear Brody <laughs> on the beat. And we're going to talk about the topic uh, during our little post-show meeting here after the program, which ends, like, right now. So right I, now? So I guess we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye.